Good morning. Please join me in the litany of invitation and confession. We believe that God calls us into Christian community with the challenge to discern and to act upon the ongoing revelation of God in our time and in our place. We live out this vision by being where intergenerational friendships are valued. All members can be known by name. Open-mindedness is the basis of spiritual formation. Resources are shared generously. And where hands-on service is crucial to our own discipleship and the mission of Christ in the world. We celebrate this vision through the intimacy of a loving the strength of Baptist freedoms, and the reach of an ecumenical and inclusive spirit. However, we do not always live into the vision of the Church that we intend to be. We confess our reluctance and ask for God's forgiveness. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, God has forgiven us. God meets us where we are. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. of God, be ready for a loud noise that may be coming. Or where was I? Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. Whenever we gather for worship, we're always called to worship, and we have three that are going to help us do that today. Welcome on especially to the 66th anniversary of our church, of our groundbreaking, of our charter members. If you're a guest today, take a note to complete the visitor's card, the welcome card on the edge of the order of worship, place in the offering plate, and feel free to make a prayer request. And with that, it's an honor for our deacons and for our staff to pray for you by name uh, and need each week. This hymn that we sang on the way in was written by our friend, Bedford Davis, one of the charter members of our congregation. And with that, we come worship right now. We will hear in a moment reading from the book of Esther in the Old Testament, and that's the book that I'll be preaching. That'll be the text that I share. So pay attention to those important words that Liz will read. 
In the vision of our church that we just read, it says that we are a place where intergenerational friendships are valued and all members can be known by name. Do you know Ava Grace? you know Mary Francis? you know Naya? Well, they will call us to worship uh, by reminding us of the importance of love.
The Book of Esther is a story of intrigue, challenge, loyalty, and courage. Esther is reminded that she may have come into the royal family for such a time as this. She decides to risk her life for her people, declaring, If I perish, I perish. A reading from the book of Esther. In every province, wherever the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. Then Esther sent a message for her uncle Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for thirty days. So when the messenger told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai sent the reply to Esther, saying, Do not think that in this king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, Esther? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go now, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast also. After that, I will go to the king, and though it's against the law, and if I perish, I will perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the first lesson. Let's say our prayers. All loving God, we come on this anniversary Sunday awaiting a fresh filling of grace. Like, like Bedford's hymn said it, Now as those who have gone before us seeking wisdom, truth, and love, here we share with one another all our blessings from above. And so for the seed planted 66 years ago, and for those planters, we are grateful. For that cast of characters who we call charter members, we say a wonderful wow. Like for Louise Davis's passion for music, or Bedford's investment in medical missions, or Vivian Cook's playful elegance, or Judy Lawrence's body humor. For Mr. Perk's passion for outreach, 
and for George Smith's beeline for the bottom line. Oh, and also for Marjorie and Fisher Albertson, who delighted in fellowship so much that they turned every hamburger cookout into Holy Communion. So God, hear our prayers after an exhausting week of testimony and testing. Our prayers reach beyond these walls all the ways to families who had loved ones killed in an Indonesian earthquake, to those who still grieve over the devastation from the hurricane in the Carolinas. And, oh God, one more thing. Like those who have gone before us, we remain amateurs at prayer. So keep teaching us. Teach us to pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray boldly, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The writer describes a community united in faith and mutual support. A reading from the letter of James. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Here ends the second lesson. And children, if you'll meet me at the front. And we're actually, well, that was loud. We're going to take a field trip today. So stand up and walk with me. And as you do, you can give Pastor James your offering. Let me part the Red Sea here. Thank you. All right. You all ready for the field trip? Okay. Follow me. We're going to go all the way back here. And look at our history and tradition window here. Everybody gather around so you can see in congregation. If you can get comfortable, you can turn around and see too. 
This is a special window, and this has the history of Northside Drive Baptist in here. So look at this window and, and tell me some things that you see. What's that right there? The chapel, yes. Yes, and you see at the bottom there's people gathered for a feast. The number 11, yeah. That's right, and the church up there and the organ. Do you know what today, today is a very special today. Do you know what today is? It's the anniversary. It's the anniversary. It's our church's birthday today. Um, who, let's see, did somebody turn six recently and have a birthday last week? I turned three. Yes, you turned three? Go ahead, bring it down low for me. Excellent. You turned eight. You all are and you're going to have birthdays this year. And birthdays are days we look back and celebrate the birth of someone or something. Yeah, you can see a bell there. Today is such a special day that we're going to celebrate Northside Drive Baptist Church. Yeah, I can see us too. Yeah. All right, I'm going to do this, and this means be quiet for a minute, okay? <laughs> Although, I love your enthusiasm, but I just wanted to tell you a couple more things about this window and about our church, okay? Do you know, we first started around a table like this. Eleven people got together and said, we want to start a church, and that's what's depicted at the bottom here. And then we had a chapel. That was our first sanctuary. And then in 1973, we broke ground, which was mean we took a shovel and dug out the first shovel full of dirt to build the building that we're in right now. The sanctuary that we're in now was started in 1973. But all of this began 66 years ago. Uh, in 1952, on September 28th, 100 people signed a charter to start Northside Drive Baptist Church. And, and this is a picture of the charter. Isn't that cool? All the signatures on here, and some of the people depicted in this window here signed this charter. Well, on such a happy birthday day as today, you know, on your birthday we sing a song. What's the song called? It? Happy yeah. Whoa, we'll sing it. To you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Northside Drive Baptist Church. Happy birthday to you. And all of God's people said, Amen. All right, go with Miss Mary Lou here. Thank you. Good job. Good job, Stevie.
The disciples bring judgment on an outsider, but Jesus wants his follower to pay attention to their own behavior. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we did try to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. The Gospel of the Lord. As I sat with the Old Testament text this week, I heard it ask something of me. It asked me to preach on courage. Now, uh, I thought about recusing myself because uh, if you know me very well, you know that I've never really been good at that. But over these years, you have helped me. Some of you have encouraged me to find courage Others have challenged me, and I've had to find courage. But as I scratch around under my family tree this week, I see there are more courageous roots there feeding my life, nourishing me, than I first might know about. So I'll take the challenge. For all of us, I think, at least for me, this has been one kind of wrung-out week, right? I mean, regardless of what your politics is, to go through what we have gone through in seeing with the Supreme Court nominee hearings this week of Brett Kavanaugh, it has been tough to watch. From the individual crises that our families are experiencing to the televised anxiety of the Senate hearing, it's been a tough week. Though I don't hear much agreement these days from either side of the legislative aisle, Uh, It seems that we did hear some agreement this week. The agreement was that both reds and blues were saying the same thing, and it was that Dr. Christine Blase Ford showed up, gave testimony, looked terrified, and demonstrated courage. It seems like regardless of what the senators thought about the content, They all agreed on the descriptive word about her choice, which was courage. And thinking about that, it's something, this courage, that every parent in the room needs. The power to say yes and the power to say no to the all-consuming calendar that will call the shots in our families, right? Every leader needs the courage to take a stand. Every patient needs the courage to consider treatment options and choose. Every physician who must speak a hard truth in love needs courage. And so does our church. Church who, in a culture addicted to the appearance of success, somehow for us to remain faithful, that's a courageous thing. 
Courage is certainly something that I see in this shy woman in the Old Testament record. She was terrified and reluctant, and she found courage. And so that's what we want to do today. Let's look at her story, and maybe from her story, we can find some courage too. After all, Madeline Lingell, the writer, the poet, said, Stories make us more alive, more human, more loving, and more courageous. So let's listen. I'm going to take the story in two movements. The first movement I'm going to call courage is cumulative. It comes from somewhere. Now, once upon a time, there is this king that the book of Esther talks about. He has a lot. He has wealth, power, high profile, but he has no soul. He's an empty man. And thus, his vacuity makes him easy pickings by the powerful. He's the king of Persia. It's about 500 BCE. Babylon has kind of risen and fallen as the captors of the Jewish people. They've been freed. Many went home to Jerusalem, but not all. Some stayed in the area, especially around the border where Persia meets Babylonia. There he ruled from the city. King rules from the city, and the city's name was Susa, S-U-S-A, Susa, as in John Phillips. Never mind, I'll come back to that. He throws a party, this king, and his popularity is sagging. And he does what kings do. He calls on his beautiful wife, Vashti, to show up and go down, down the runway. His hope is for folk to see her and think more of him. Now, by the way, when I was working this text through the Wednesday Bible study group, it was filled with uh, gasps and guffaws. I'm really not spinning the text. It's all there. Just read, read on a rainy Saturday afternoon. It's, it's, it's amazing. And so he says, Vashti, come out, take a bow people will be impressed. And the queen refuses. Imagine that. The queen refuses. She says no, and no means no. And the king is mad. What he fears is, and it says this in the text, that her uppityness, that's a Hebrew word. Um, Steve Sheely is you don't, you don't do Hebrew, you do Greek. It's a Hebrew word. Her uppityness, the king is afraid of, will start an epidemic of courage of women in the empire who will say no to fragile men's power. And so the king fires the queen. Well, he does. Now he needs a new wife. And you know what he does? It really is. Pull it out of the Bible and look. He holds a beauty pageant. He has the beauty pageant, virgins from all over the kingdom come, and uh, he picks one. The winner is an unlikely woman. She is a person of no pedigree of privilege. She's an immigrant. She's an orphan. She's been reared by her uncle, Mordecai, and her name is Esther. And on top of all of this about her, there's something else. She has a secret. She is a Jew. She's kept this secret all these years for fear, 
for telling the truth would perhaps get her punished. Now, we all know about secrets. We all got them, right? Secrets are first cousins to grief and shame, also guilt. But take grief and shame. We all know of that, and grief and shame have no expiration date, right? I mean, those are the stories that you've told me all these years. It's been three years, you say, and it just feels like yesterday. You hear that? It has a lifelong shelf life. It's been 20 years, I thought I had moved on, and then suddenly the memory came rushing back and it disabled me for a day. Grief and shame have no expiration date, and it did not with Esther. In fact, they can get heavier as the years go along. Well, later we'll find that that Esther finds her courage, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but let's give Vashti some credit here. The queen that we never hear her voice, but we hear the narrator say that she says no. In fact, I think if she had not found her no, then Esther could not have found her yes. The rubric is courage is cumulative. Your courage grows out of someone else's story. That's why these anniversaries are important, to tell the stories again of our charter members. What an interesting cadre of characters they were. I remember meeting with the the charter members uh, 22 years ago, and I came out of that room going, man, they've got fire in the belly. If spunk is a spiritual gift, they've got it. Courage is cumulative. I thought about this week years ago, and Liz and I were living in northern Virginia. I was pastoring a church there. I was at a leadership gathering, leadership in ministry. We were talking about leadership challenges in our churches, and we brought brought case studies along with our family maps, our family trees. And uh, I was having trouble finding courage to take a stand in the congregation I was pastoring in northern Virginia. The leader of my small group was Bob Setzer. God bless Bob Setzer. He was the associate pastor here in 1991 and 92, Bambi, his wife, the family was here. Bob was a small group leader. And I remember I was hunched over my family tree. I'd been telling stories. And Bob said, well, well, James, didn't you just tell the story that your grandmother found the courage to kick your grandfather out of the house because he was drinking too much right before World War II? And I said, absolutely, that's the story. And he said, well, that courage is still in your family. Claim it. And I remember viscerally what happened to me. I was sort of hunched over this piece of paper, and when he said, claim it for you, it was like I started unfolding, kind of like a sunflower, sun salutation in yoga. I felt a deep breath enter. I felt my shoulders go back. I felt my head go up. I was kind of like a transformer, like Bumblebee. You know, I was just showing up. And uh, courage came to me. Where did that come from? By By the naming of my grandmother. It's an oddest thing, but it, like God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you, so you be of good courage. 
Like Vashti found courage to say no, Esther later found courage to say yes. I'm saying that courage is cumulative. Here's the second thing. Courage is is a strength, but even courage can die when it's not encouraged. Right? Even courage needs encouragement. Like any good melodrama, in the Esther stories, there's this villain. His name is Haman. Remember when we went to Guatemala on a mission trip years ago? Liz told this story, and it was horrible Haman. We're dealing with horrible Haman. Well, Haman is a villain, but he's not a very good one. He tries hard, but he ends up always getting caught in his own trap. If the Cohen brothers had written a book of the Bible, it'd be the book of Esther. If, if a cartoon were made of it, Haman would be wily e. Coyote. That when he drops the one-ton Acme brick on the roadrunner, bang, it always falls on his head. That's Haman. Haman has it in for the Jews. And he tricks the unaware king into signing an executive order. It's in the text. The king doesn't understand what he's signing. Haman says, this will make you money and your treasury, king. But what it turns out to be is really a death warrant for all the Jews. And finally, Haman has his permission for genocide. Now when Esther's uncle, Mordecai, hears about this, that he and all the Jews are going to die in the city, that Mordecai is mortified. That didn't get any laughter on Wednesday either, but that's, that, I think that's in the Hebrew as well. Mordecai is mortified, so he goes to his niece, Esther, and he says, you must do something. And she says, I can't. I'm reluctant. I can't do anything. But Uncle Mordecai insists and delivers the line that you heard Liz say, perhaps you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. What Mordecai did was he played the, the destiny card. All right, here's a trivia question that many of you know. How many times is God mentioned in the book of Esther? That's right, zero. Now, what kind of committee put this book in the Bible? You know, then he mentioned God. You know, on, on the other hand, maybe we mention God too much and become frivolous. Maybe the writer was avoiding the word to let God seep into about every word and syllable. At least in this piece of the plot, God is not far away, I don't think. It's like those senses that you have that your location in the universe at this moment is not by accident. That your people's fate, whom God called into being, the Jews, was in Esther's hand. So she asked for a Jewish ritual to help her get clear. Three days fast, she asked for. And they do, and she does. She gets clear. Now remember, courage is cumulative, but even courage needs encouragement. Mordecai and her people helped Esther find it. Now, Uh, We are a a courage-encouraging church, aren't we? I mean, I think we are. We want to be. Like several of you are involved in Moms Demand Action, calling upon 
all people and urging for common sense gun laws. That takes courage. Others of you are on community boards that take stands regarding health care and medical care for children and education. In 1971, we ordained women deacons. That was Ruby Brown. And then in 2000, we admitted that we, we were not what Southern Baptists had become. And it was one of the reasons was how women were treated. Three years ago, we passed a non-discrimination policy that all rituals, all ceremonies are available to all people, regardless of sexual orientation or gender, marriage, ordination, leadership. Several of us have taken interfaith world pilgrimages. Liz is going to speak of that at Triple E in two weeks. We've done a habitat build that's interfaith. We just finished yesterday. Seventeen years ago, Imam Pleman el from the Masjid of Al-Islam in Eastlake stood there and welcomed us to our 50th year. It's my belief that we want to be a courage-encouraging church, and we are on our way. Because of Esther's encouraged courage, the tide of the story changed. She said, if I perish, I perish. In other words, I'm going to do the right thing regardless if it costs me my life. She tells her truth to the king. She exposes horrible Haman for the villain he is, and he ends up hanging from the same gallows that he had built to kill the Jews. The people then are free to defend themselves on the very day that they were all going to be killed and slaughtered. And it became a day of celebration, of victory and life. And to this day, the Jewish people and Jewish friends that you know celebrate this as the Feast of Purim. It is like Jewish Mardi Gras, where it is a celebration of audacious courage. Let us take that spirit, audacious courage, into Fellowship Hall as we celebrate a meal uh, later today. Let us carry that courage into our next 66 years that our charter members have put into us. And so women who are like Esther, be strong, be of good cheer. For any of us who are like Haman, beware. And for all of us who are part of Northside Drive Baptist, let us take courage from this story, for it is a profile in courage. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. It is an opportunity for us to respond with our hearts to what we've heard in the service. We've sung glorious high anthems, and now we're going to be singing a gospel song. 
It was written by a man who struggled with depression all of his life. But he found prayer to be a solace for him. Sometimes when we sing this hymn, we sing it slowly. But sometimes we sing it more with pride and joy. That's how we're going to sing this hymn today, about the friendship we have in Christ. Let's stand together and sing. Each time we gather, we bring uh, concerns and celebrations, and I bring a few of those to you this morning. Uh, First, directly after our worship service today, uh, many uh, have already reserved, but all are invited to an anniversary luncheon that's in our fellowship hall. And if if you're new visiting, you don't know how to get there, just follow the crowd. Unless the crowd's going in the parking lot, it's not in that vicinity, but you should be able to follow someone to the fellowship hall. All are invited, and we have space for all. Also, as James mentioned in his sermon, Triple uh, E will be not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday, and we'll hear from Liz Harris Lampkin about her interfaith pilgrimage uh, to the Holy Land. So be uh, looking forward to that and making reservations. Now our prayers stretch around the globe, as you heard referenced already 
to the tragedy in Indonesia, where I read this morning that the death toll has doubled to over 800 people this morning, for lives and property uh, destroyed, uh, join the heavenly chorus in prayer for all of those people. And in our own congregation, I received a phone call from Marie Cook yesterday that her father's oldest brother, sort of her uncle, that would be your great uncle, Ava Grace, died yesterday, Ken Dunnigan. Uh, the Cook family, our prayers are with you. As Marie travels to Rome, as you travel this week for the funeral, know that we love you and we'll keep you close in prayer. Let our prayers continue, our worship continue with the giving of tithes and offerings, with the singing of the Ted Deum. I knew I'd mess that up. I had to ask Keith how to pronounce it on the way in. But I know what it means in English. God, we worship you. We worship you, God. And may we worship God by hearing this wonderful song. Amen.
all-loving God, as we ponder your great mysteries and gifts to us. We give thanks for Naya's and Mary Frances and Ava Grace's song, all the way to the choir's gift of anthem and offertory. Receive these gifts as means by which we serve you in the world, for we too have come into the realm for a time such as this. So send us forth marching. Uh, yea, verily, send us forth dancing. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And as we prepare to go to Fellowship Hall to celebrate our anniversary, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you. 
And the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.